If you would open your Bibles to Hebrews 13. We're going to read just two verses there, 20 and 21, if you would stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of our God stands forever. Hebrews 13, 20. Now may the God of peace brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do His will, working in us that which is pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Let's again ask for the Lord's help. Father, thank you for this, your word. Truly, it is light and life and benediction. Lord, may we see it and may we hear it and may we receive it. May we receive the blessing that is from you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So we know the the birth narratives of Jesus and we should love them. We should share them with our children. We should um, participate in, in knowing all of those wonderful stories. The plan of God in salvation history that the sovereign of all the universe would be born. What an incredible story. But he's, he's doing that to redeem sinners like you and me. And so we, we shouldn't lose sight of the reality of what Christ had come to do. When we look at the world at Advent, we don't just stop at the reality that Christ has come. If you leave Jesus, cute baby Jesus, oh, this, this is great. He, there He is in a manger in Bethlehem. Great. It is beautiful. And it should make us wonder. But if, if you leave Him there, so what? A, a baby was born. But He didn't stay there. And so that's why we've made an attempt this season, this Advent season, to talk about what's going on there. He he didn't just remain a baby. Praise the Lord. He he grew. He he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Praise the Lord. And so in asking what Advent means, we've seen that it means a better word, a better rest, a better priest, a better sacrifice. Last night, it means that we're not alone. We're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. And last in Hebrews, uh, Advent is, it means benediction. We have Latin scholars in the room. I am not one, but I could figure this out. Bene, meaning well or good, and diction meaning to, to speak. It's a, it's a good word. It's a blessing. And that's the opposite of malediction. Mal meaning um, 
bad, evil, curse. And the reality is that we deserve malediction. That's what sin deserves. We deserve a bad word spoken to us and over us and in our lives. That is what each and every single one of us should get. We should get malediction. And again and again and again in Scripture, because of Christ, we get benediction. Truly good news. In some senses, this history of malediction and and benediction could be a, a history of all of Scripture. As soon as we fell, as soon as we rebelled in our first parents, Adam and Eve, against God, we deserved a curse right then and there to, to end all things. But even there in the garden, there was a promise that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. Benediction. Spoken across and cutting across the malediction that we deserved. We see this curse all around us. We see it in sickness. We feel it in death. We know all of us, believer and unbeliever alike in this world, that this this world is not the way it's supposed to be. It's not the way it's supposed to be. Malediction, the fall, then Advent. Then the coming of a better word. It's always been promised to the covenant people of God throughout history that He was coming to do something about this malediction. He, he was coming, God Himself was coming to turn malediction into benediction. A bad word, an evil word, into a good word, into blessing. This is the meaning of the birth of Christ. That though we deserve malediction, in Him we get benediction. In Him we get blessing. This baby born in a stable outside a crowded inn in an out-of-the-way town was born to bring benediction and hope to sinners like you and me. So we'll look at this benediction in a couple of ways. First, what God has done to bring blessing. And second, what it means for the people of God to live in light of this blessing. So first, what what He does to bring blessing. Notice how the blessing begins. Now may the God of peace. I love that title for God. Five times in the New Testament, it refers to God as the God of peace. And I think first and foremost, we think about our peace, but I think first and foremost, we have to apply it to Him and Him alone. He is a God of peace. He is utterly at peace with Himself. Father, Son, Spirit, utterly at peace. I think sometimes, too, we confuse peace with tranquility. That's not it. That's not the idea. Peace is the opposite of hostility and warfare. God is hostile to sin. He cannot tolerate sin in His presence. This is what Advent is about. Though God is the offended party, 
though we deserve hostility, He sends His only Son into the world. And through Christ, God is making peace with those who believe. Listen to some texts. We recited this one last week in our affirmation of faith from Colossians 1. In Him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through Him, that is Christ, to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. The God of peace. 1 Corinthians 5, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. We have been reconciled. God has made peace through Christ. Ephesians 2 doesn't get any more plain. It's such a beautiful text. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work at the, in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Malediction. A bad word, an evil word, and that is describing every single one of us. But verse 4, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Benediction. Advent means benediction, blessing. The God of peace has come in the flesh. And though we deserved curse in Him, we get blessing. As believers, we look forward to and and long for glory. Our sin will be no more. Once hostile enemies of God, now friends. How do we live in in, in this time that we have now? We're meant to live as His children. We're meant to live in light of blessing with God. We're meant to live like God has made peace with us. He is not always angry with us. If your good Father gives you good things, how much more your Heavenly Father, this God of peace. John 1, but to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Children. That's what it means for the God of peace to bless us. We live before Him as children. The next thing we note about this God who blesses is that we're told God brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant. These three phrases teach us what it means for God to bring benediction out of malediction. How did he do that? How can the angels come and announce peace on earth with sinners? That's utterly crazy. 
We deserve no peace. We deserve no blessing. But he goes on in this benediction to to tell us how and why. The writer to the Hebrews, first and foremost, puts the resurrection at the head of the ministry of Christ, who brought again from the dead our Lord. The resurrection is central to Christianity. It's central to our faith. That's, That's why again and again and again, the New Testament focuses on the resurrection. This writer here says that the Father raised the Son. Jesus says that He Himself will take His life up again. Hebrews 8 and 1 Peter 3 say that the Spirit raised, the dead, raised Christ from the dead. Is the Bible confused? No, it's saying it's a powerful work of the Trinity. Father, Son, and Spirit raised Christ up from the dead. You might be wondering, what does that have to do with Advent? Why are we talking about the resurrection, Pastor? Get get on with it. It's central. It's why He came. If you stop your gaze with this baby in a manger and you never see Him in glory, raised from the dead, conquering death, then you are still in your sins. Advent is about a crucified and risen Christ. And Advent means because of His resurrection, we too have the promise resurrection from the dead. How could Jesus be raised from the dead if he were a man? He broke the curse. He had no sin. So death could not hold him. And it is in him and in his righteousness in his death and resurrection that we have life. Romans 6, 3-5 through says, For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. Because Christ is incarnate. In Him we too are raised from the dead. The next phrase, the great shepherd of the sheep. This is Christ. He's not impersonal. He's not far and distant. He knows his sheep. John 10, the great shepherd of the sheep. Unlike all the other hired hands who run run away and hide when danger comes, this one moves in. This one comes in to save his sheep that he knows by name and that he loves. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's what Advent is about. The good shepherd, he he knows the name of his sheep. Listen, child of God, those of you here in Christ, he knows your name. This is exactly where the blessing goes in in, in the next phrase. What, What does this shepherd do? By the blood of the eternal covenant. A fascinating phrase. The blood of the eternal covenant. How are we offered benediction when we deserve malediction and eternal covenant that involved bloodshed? What is he talking about? In eternity past, the Father, Son, and Spirit covenanted together 
to bring benediction out of malediction. And this covenant God promised to save a people that he created that fell into sin and death. The incarnate son, the great shepherd of the sheep, agreed that he would lay down his life. He would pay the debt and save those people. The Holy Spirit agreed in this eternal covenant that he would make it happen by his power. He would take sinners, dead people like you and me, and take us and lead us to life. This is the eternal covenant, the redemptive covenant, which unfolds across the pages of Scripture. Consider the reality of what it means for God the Son to become incarnate. What did it mean for this eternally existent Son, ever in the bosom of the Father, What did it mean for him to come to earth? To be in the womb of a a mom. Consider the reality of that. This eternal God, the one who with his word made everything that we see. He was born Breathing the air that we breathe. Jesus, this Son of God, would ultimately die by the blood of the eternal covenant. Laying down His life to save us from our sins. Soon we're going to commune at the table together, celebrating the Lord's Supper And this is the covenant meal that we're invited to eat and drink of the reality of this covenant that God had made a promise and that He kept His promise. He saves His people from their sins. So we've seen what God has done to bring benediction out of malediction, but what does this mean for us? He goes on to to spell it out. The first thing we note is that this God of peace who kept His covenant equips you with every good thing that you may do His will. The Greek is interesting. It's something like this. Having been given everything you need. It's in this blessing, in this benediction, that we're given everything we need to to live as Christians. Listen, if you're here and you are in Christ, you don't need extra things to live for Christ. You don't need extra stuff to follow Him. You've been given everything in Christ that you could possibly need to live in this world as a follower of Jesus. You don't need something else. He's blessed us in Christ with every good thing. It is completely sufficient In the gospel, you lack nothing. You don't need to wait around for some extra something than to go and do and live and be like a Christian in your work or at school. You have everything in Him. That is what benediction means. That is what this blessing is about. You lack nothing. This gift of Advent 
means that we have everything we need for salvation, justification, sanctification, glorification. We have it all. We have it all right now. We're enabled by the grace of God to live the life that He has called us to live. What does it mean to be equipped by God, uh, by the God of peace? Um, what, what does it mean to, what does it produce? He goes on, working in us that which is pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ. Listen, God is at work in His people doing things that please Him. God is at work in His people doing things in the world that please Him. Apart from Christ, we can do what? Nothing. Here we again see the value and blessing of union with Christ. And that's what it means to be a Christian. It means to be united to Christ by faith. That means this. Apart from this vital union with Jesus, we can produce absolutely nothing. Nothing. Benediction, this blessing from God, means that everything we are capable of as Christians is only possible through Jesus. Philippians 2, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For, for, it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Child of God, work out your salvation. Knowing this, knowing that you live in benediction, that God is at work in you. That's what Advent means. He is at work in you. We receive the benefit of this blessing and benediction, but who gets the glory? The last statement. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. This blessing, this benediction, Advent itself comes down to this. The glory of Christ forever. He did not remain a little baby in a stable. He is risen from the dead. He is ascended, and as we will recite later, he is, he is seated on the right hand of the Father in glory, and from there He will rule and reign the entire universe forever. Please, this Advent, do not leave Him. Yes, absolutely be blown away that He would become a baby. Yes, see that snapshot, but do not leave Him there. He will be glorified in glory forever and ever and ever. And every single knee will bow and every single tongue will confess that He is Lord. So what is this God of peace doing? He's blessing sinners. He has turned malediction into benediction and blessing. Through His covenant, he, he, he is glorifying the Son. The Father 
is glorifying the Son forever. That's what Advent is about. Advent means we have a better word, a better rest, a better priest, a better sacrifice. Advent means that though we might be lonely, we are never alone. And Advent means benediction, not malediction. Let's be amazed today at the reality that God would graciously give rebels like us who deserve wrath and curse. Let's be amazed that He has blessed us and given us a benediction. Let's pray. Father, thank You that this story does not end in swaddling cloths and in a manger, nor does it end in cloths of a, of a body that was wrapped and placed in a grave. Jesus, that you are even now ruling and reigning at the right hand of the Father. And to you we give all glory and all praise and adoration. Thank you, Lord, for Advent. But that that is not the end of the story. Remind us, Lord, of the truths that though we deserve curse, we get blessing in you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.